Hey guys, this is Stephen Davis and you are listening to Meta Myth and Movies, where we discuss meta-narrative myth and mythology in movies, TV shows and other forms of media entertainment. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. It's been a minute since I've been on, but today I wanted to briefly touch on my thoughts on the Marvel Netflix The Defenders series. For those who don't know or haven't been keeping up, uh, The Defenders is kind of like the uh, Marvel's Avengers to the Netflix series, um, Marvel series that they've been doing. So uh, you've had two series of uh, Daredevil, two seasons of Daredevil. Uh, We had Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. So they've all had their respective shows going on that you can go and watch on Netflix. And The Defenders is kind of like the culmination of those four series where they all come together to face uh, a common threat. So uh, I'm just going to give a couple of my thoughts on it and other little musings I had. So from this point on, there are going to be spoilers. So what did I think? Um, I guess you can't help but compare them to the previous um, four shows, uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Um, so I guess I'm going to start off by um, talking about what I think of those four shows and then um, how I feel that they brought them all together in The Defenders. Uh, now, Daredevil definitely set a high bar in terms of action, storyline um the real grit of the series the tone of what would be brought forth character development um and you know it it set the bar high i mean it pretty much set the bar high from the second episode and the world famous hallway fight scene which seems to have now become partly a staple of these marvel netflix shows um less so in the other shows but they definitely had their version in the defenders um and obviously Daredevil up the ante on the hallway fight scene with, you know, he had another similar fight scene in the second series of Daredevil. And the Punisher, who was introduced in Daredevil season two, had his hallway fight scene, which was absolutely brutal. Um, so, yeah, in terms of how the rest of the shows have gone, Jessica Jones again also set the bar quite high, I believe. Um just in terms of being a more so a thriller, I think, than a superhero uh, show. The action wasn't always really great in Jessica Jones, but the villain was terrifying. The concept was really good. Um, so all in all, it was a show that definitely, um, in terms of quality, was as high as Daredevil. Luke Cage started off really good. I'd say the first six episodes of Luke Cage were quite quality. I'd say the second half of the series after Cottonmouth was taken out kind of dipped in quality and the very last episode was almost, um, I don't know, uh, cheesy, I guess was the way I'd describe it. But um, I love the intro to Luke Cage. I just think, you know, I love the music. I think it's so soulful um, and I really love the way that they tried to capture um you know, life in Harlem, and Luke Cage is a very different kind of character and hero, Um, and you know, it was just fun just watching people try to take him out, and they just couldn't, you know, um, you'd think that it it would get boring, but for some reason with him, it just never really got boring for me, and that brings us to Iron Fists, and Iron Fist is, I guess, the one that really divided people, most people thought Iron Fist sucked, I don't think Iron Fist was 
as bad as some reviewers were trying to make it out to be. By no means it was perfect. Um, the action really, you know, wasn't on par with Daredevil, I would say. And considering um, both the character of Daredevil and Iron Fist, at least in the Netflix shows, share a lot of common history in terms of their training, you would expect the Iron Fist being, you know, the immortal Iron Fist, the, you know, weapon that has, you know, been raised to fight the hand and all that stuff. You'd think he would come across as a better fighter and many times it looked like he was phoning it in. But what I've learned from subsequent interviews and some background info is that that kind of was actually the case in a sense where production was so rushed, he actually didn't really have time to train and learn so some there'll be times when he would literally be told what he was doing and shown what he was doing minutes before having to film and that really kind of came through in the action in the show whereas a character like Colleen Wing was far more convincing um in in what she did so you know that was a shame and you know there was a lot of criticism of the characterization um the villains weren't really that compelling so one big question going into the defenders was whether it redeemed the character of Iron Fist. And I would say very much so. Um, if you didn't like Iron Fist much in his own series, you'd probably like him a lot more in The Defenders. Um, and, you know, he's had time to actually train now, so his fight sequences are a lot better. Um, he has a fight with Daredevil in The Defenders, which was quite cool. Um, and, you know, his confrontations with Luke Cage were very funny and interesting as well. Um, so they did a lot to kind of elevate the character from where he was in the Iron Fist series, bringing him into the Defenders. Now, in terms of the Defenders itself, um, if I was to rank it, if I was to rank the shows, so I'd say that Daredevil and Jessica Jones are probably at the top. And then I would say uh, Luke Cage and then Iron Fist in terms of the quality of the shows. Um, where would I rank the Defenders? I'd probably rank it, I guess, between Jessica Jones, um, Daredevil and Luke Cage. But because um, the drop in the quality of the shows between, say, Jessica Jones and, and um, Luke Cage was kind of dramatic. That's not really saying that much. All, all over, it was good. I enjoyed it. You know, I pretty much binge-watched it in about a day and a half um, because it is sh a lot shorter than the other Netflix shows. It's only eight episodes long, whereas the other shows, are, I believe, are about 14, 13 episodes long. So it was, you know, it was, it was significantly shorter, um, which I think was good because there was only so long I think they could have stretched out the story. Um, but overall... Yeah, I, you know, I, I thought it was it was a good show. I was entertained. Um, and it was really great to see these characters come together. Their interactions were really good. Of note would be um, De um, Daredevil and Jessica Jones. And this is something that they seem to kind of do was pair them off. So you would commonly see Matt Murdock slash Daredevil with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage with Iron Fist. Um, and that pairing obviously makes a lot of sense because they have starred in a lot of comics together. So, you know, Power Man and Iron Fist and Heroes for Hire. Um, and, you know, Daredevil and Jessica Jones are good foils for each other because of her, you know, her sarcasm and Daredevil being a bit more of the straight man. So she would do things like, you know, mock his costume, like, oh, you know, nice ears. And he'd be like their horns and stuff like that. And then you have 
someone like Luke Cage, who, and this is one thing I think they did really great, was the, um, I guess, the almost racial undertones that really, and, and uh, social economic undertones that came out between Luke Cage and Danny Rand slash Iron Fist, in the sense that Luke Cage is this very, you know, street level in Harlem, in a predominantly black neighborhood, dealing with people who are, you know, coming from the struggle, um, struggling financially, struggling socially, economically, and all that sort of thing. And then you have someone like Danny Rand, who was born into privilege, you know, so <clears throat> they did something to kind of highlight the almost white privilege that, that the character of Danny Rand has, even though he was orphaned and raised in Kunlun and all of that stuff, he still came back to New York and was able to re-inherit all of his riches. And so there's this kind of, I guess, question of, well, you know, what are you actually doing to help people? You know, this is kind of the question that Luke Cage poses to Danny Rand. Like, you're just going around beating up people on the streets. You know, I'm actually trying to help people out, you know, help out families and, you know, help mothers who have lost their children and, you know, just help the black community, as it were. Danny Rand just running around beating people up for no reason. So it was interesting to see those contrasts of, um, I guess, hero methodology come out. Um, so that was really cool. Now, in terms of the greater um, arc of the show, I kind of feel like with the hand, you know, as they are the central villains of the Defenders, and they were initially introduced in Daredevil, and they featured prominently in Iron Fist as well, because Iron Fist, um, you know, has been, you know, he's, he's this living weapon whose sole mission is to defeat the Hand. So it was inevitable that him and Daredevil would come together, and obviously Daredevil had um, encounters with the Hand in season, I think it was in season one and two, he had, you know, um, interactions with the Hand, and especially in season two, where... Um, the character of Electro Nachos um, was actually, you know, revealed to be the Black Sky, who was kind of like, well, I guess, almost like the equivalent of Iron Fist for the hand. She was like meant to be their weapon, which would bring them whatever it was that they wanted in the world. Um, but I kind of feel like by the end of the Defenders, just like um, coming out of Captain America Civil War and then going into the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., series and they had the whole thing about hydra and then in the third season they kind of then expanded on hydra and really stretched out the mythology i guess you could say of who hydra were and where they came from to the point where it's just like man if i hear the word hydra again i'm just gonna tear my hair out and i haven't watched season four of agents of shield but i know that they did this whole agents of hydra thing in there as well so with the hand, it's kind of just like, oh man, yeah, I'm kind of, I, I hope they don't come back again, but I wouldn't rule it out. So, you know, with the hand, we are reintroduced to two characters that have been prominent in two other shows, or yeah, uh, or one or two of the other Netflix shows. So you have Madame Gao, who was first introduced in the Daredevil series, who, um, you know, is revealed, has connections with the hand, and then she also pops up in Iron Fist, and then you have the character of Bakuto, who trained Colleen Wing, Di uh, Danny Rand's girlfriend, and he cropped up in Iron Fist, and, you know, they, they turn out to be two of the fingers of the hand, and we meet the other three, um, the leader being a woman named Alexandra, played by Sigourney Weaver, 
and the other one being this um dude from south africa um and finally this guy who is said to have been behind um a character called nobu who turned up in daredevil and really gave daredevil a run for his money so he's kind of like the guy that backed you know them um i may have to go back and re-watch daredevil to kind of see where madame gal was meant to be because it kind of gets a bit confusing that you have these two um two characters uh kind of both operating in new york um both dealing with daredevil and you're kind of like are they working together are they working against each other obviously they were kind of working together but it wasn't entirely clear um well obviously one was kind of operating in japan the other one was operating in china so you know but it was just it it, it got a bit murky for me in the in the midst of it kind of like oh hold on a second like you know but everyone's just there in new york the hand are just there in new york and doing their thing there um but yeah, so the hands plan, you know, they, they at the end of Daredevil Season 2, they dig up the body of Electra Nachios and they resurrect her with this thing called the Substance, which, just to kind of skip over the details, is basically a substance duh, that is drawn from the bones of the dragon that gave Iron Fist his powers. So, following so far. Uh, um, so, yeah, so they bring her back to life and it's... It's, you know, it's kind of, by the end of it, you're kind of like, huh, did you really need to bring her back to life in order to do this? But I guess the character of Alexandra and, you know, the other members of The Hand, this is kind of a debate they seem to have throughout the series of, is the Black Sky really necessary? She seems to be causing more trouble than good, when all they really wanted was to get the Iron Fist. Um, and that was, I guess, one of the more uh, dis slightly disappointing aspects in that Iron Fist did kind of be become a MacGuffin about halfway through the movie. So it was literally like, yeah, he's the key to unlocking this thing that they want. And, you know, at first I was thinking, oh, maybe they just want to, you know, because many of them were saying we want to return to Kunlun. So you'd think maybe it would open a doorway that would lead them to Kunlun. But instead, it just is leads them to the bones of this dragon. And they're just trying to get this substance out of it so that they can continue living forever, you know, which is kind of their thing. Um, so it was a bit, you know, their their plot was a bit underwhelming. When you consider, you know, great villain like Kingpin, when you consider um, all the stuff with the Punisher in season two, and, you know, the hand was kind of in the background of all of that, but even in Daredevil, they were far more of a threat there than they kind of have been in the other series even in iron fist they just didn't really seem like that much of a threat they were kind of like a weird cult more so um but i get that's meant to be because you know they will have their various different factions and they're kind of working towards similar goals but doing it in different ways which is fair enough but it just kind of eh, it just lost a bit of coherence for me so Without going too much into the details, I would say overall I enjoyed it. If I was to rate it out of 10, I'd probably give it maybe a 7 out of 10. I think when the defenders do come together and they do and you do get a lot of the character interaction, it is very good. One of the best episodes. They literally just spent an entire episode in a in a restaurant talking, but it was very effective. It was a great episode. And they, you know, have their own hall, hallway fight scene when they first come together, which is really great. But the fights never really um, reached that height again. 
I'd say the only fight that comes close is Daredevil versus Danny Rand, which by that time, you actually feel like Danny Rand is actually skilled enough to take on Daredevil. He's kind of sold it a bit more by then. So that was cool. But most of the other fights, especially towards the last few episodes, just weren't that great. Oh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the clunky way they brought the defenders together. Um, And I guess it's not really their fault because in some senses, some of the characters had almost been written into a corner by the time they started. So they kind of had to really gloss over things to get them back into action. So with Daredevil and Jessica Jones, it wasn't so bad. They, you know, uh, by the end of season two, Daredevil, Elektra's dead and he'd hung up his horns. So, you know, it was pretty simple going in there. Jessica Jones, she just killed off Kilgrave. So again, there wasn't too much of a distraction going in there. The biggest one was more so with Luke Cage because at the end, you know, his season ended on a cliffhanger where he has to go back to jail. And it's literally glossed over in about two minutes. Like he goes in and the next thing you know, Foggy Nelson turns up and it's like, you're free. And and there's just no explanation, no nothing. So it really deflated the end of Luke Cage because it actually ended on a good note. And so the beginning of this was just very clunky, very messy, very glossed over. And you could tell they were just like, well, we just need to get these characters back together. But maybe there could have been a more organic way to do it. Um, With Iron Fist, wasn't so bad. You know, they were already overseas when Iron Fist ended and we pick up on them in another country. So it wasn't that big a deal. It was really more reintroducing Luke Cage. It was just really sloppily done and that's kind of the thing with the series i feel like when they did things well they did it really well when they did things bad it just wasn't that great if uh, if there was any you know comparison i'd make it would be to the final half of the series of luke uh, Luke cage where it just wasn't that great and maybe not the worst parts of iron fist but maybe the general feel of iron fist like i said I I didn't think it was as bad as people made it out to be, but it wasn't that great either. So the Defenders is is a mixed bag. Um, One thing that I think they did, which was creative, but was also kind of, to me, was a bit jarring, was the color coding. So in the first, I say two, three episodes before the characters all came together, they would kind of color tint everyone's, you know, scenery, as it were, which coincided with the look and feel of their respective shows so for daredevil there was a lot of you know reds and oranges for jessica jones it was more of a kind of cold blue for luke cage it was the yellows and for iron fist it was the greens because those are their you know their respective colors as it were and then once they kind you know come together those color palettes kind of faded into the background which um it's ironic because at first i thought it was a bit jarring for me but then by the time it is kind of got rid of it it was a bit like oh well you know it was actually an interesting visual motif so to just kind of get rid of it and never really reference it again or bring it back was a bit odd for me but you know otherwise it was fine you know it wasn't that big a deal but um yeah electra electra is brought back ah uh, she was became kind of boring to me in this one to be honest she was far more interesting in daredevil season two in this one is you know it's great to have the character back but it was just kind of eh wasn't really wasn't really that great um i mean it, it you know her being there made for some great character moments for matt murdoch and the other guys but eh and it's a shame to see stick die you know i thought he was a compelling character so 
even though it was poetic that he met his end at the at the hand of Electra, it's also a shame that he kind of just went out the way he did. But you know, never mind. But hey, resurrection is clearly a thing in these series, so who knows? We could see him return at some point in the future. Um and that's pretty much all my thoughts on it. So yeah, I'd give it about a seven seven out of ten. But you know, if if Daredevil and Jessica Jones are tens then you know it's kind of, it was all right maybe luke cage i'd also give us seven six and a half um and iron fist definitely probably a six but so you know it was good but it wasn't as good as it could have been i would say you know when they did come together and they did it re- well it was really good but when it didn't work it just didn't work as well um but yeah i didn't really want to go into too many of the details of it because we'd be here all day so um yeah but by all means if you like Marvel, and if you've watched the other series, then do check it out. I'm sure you'll find things that you enjoy. And I do hope that they do a, de- a Defender Season 2. I know that they were talking about it being a one-off, but I think it's successful enough that they could pull it off again, and it would be really good. So I think they should at least try and endeavor to do so. The only um, other thing outline that I think I wanted to mention is the connection between the Netflix shows and the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because this is something that's bugged me consistently throughout all of the series, is their lack of reference to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which does raise the question of why even bother making them connected if you're going to kind of downplay the connection. So um, in the first season of Daredevil, and in, you know, in subsequent shows, the events of the Avengers has been referred to as the incident, you know, um, other than that, you get only passing references to any of the Avengers. So I think it's in Daredevil season one, you know, references made to, you know, we don't all have tin suits and, you know, someone else talks and, you know, magic hammers and, but that's about it. You know, that's, that's kind of where the, where the references, uh, stop. Um, and I think the only other reference is, um, the character of Karen Page once she goes to work at the newspaper and ends up working in Ben Urich's office. You can see a newspaper clipping that refers to the Chitawi invasion. Other than that, there's not really anything mentioned and it just kind of bugs me, you know, like I'm just I think there's opportunities there to make references, not like anyone needs to show up, but it would be nice if they would make a bit more effort to connect the universes. Um, and I think that's especially relevant to the character of Misty Knight, because obviously at the end of The Defenders, she loses her arm. And in the comic books, we know that she gets a bionic arm that's, excuse me, created by Tony Stark. So, you know, it would be nice if they make a bit more of a connection and name drop. It's like, you can do it, so why not just do it? Um, other ways I thought they could make a bit more of a stronger connection is the fact that uh, Luke Cage operates out of Harlem. And, you know, the Incredible Hulk movie ends in Harlem. Like, the the Hulk arrives there and tears up Harlem. I thought it would have been great if they could have infused a bit of that incident into Luke Cage's backstory that, you know, as bad as Harlem may have been already, the Hulk kind of coming and stomping around and fighting the Abomination kind of did more damage even, you know, than, say, the Chitawi invasion, which was a bit more of a downtown thing. Um, so it's a shame that they're just not taking advantage of these connections and the greater playground that they have 
to weave in more story elements and a bit more fan service and some more Easter eggs because the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe is really great at doing that, but the Netflix shows are really kind of shying away from it. It's almost like they just want to springboard off of the MCU but do their own thing and not really care about it, which is a shame. Um, the other thing that had bugged me, um, but I came to a resolution this morning, but the other thing that had bugged me about um, a show like The Defenders and where all these characters are now is I had this nagging question of, okay, they're all street level heroes, but so Spider-Man, are we going to see some references to Spider-Man, you know, at least, you know, and, and what about the Sokovia Accords, you know, um, that's now kind of preventing people from doing the very things that these guys are doing. However, by doing a little bit of research into the timelines of all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and even though Marvel is playing it a bit fast and loose with the timeline, so for example, there's some chronological issues with Spider-Man Homecoming, um, but by and large, they try not to tie the movies to specific years, but you can get a sense that, you know, a certain amount of time has passed. So, for example, one thing that Spider-Man Homecoming makes clear is that that movie takes place eight years after The Avengers, which, because The Avengers movie takes place more or less in 2012, that kind of places Spider-Man Homecoming in 2020, um, which is weird for other reasons, but, you know, we won't go into that right now. But that actually solves part of the issue I had with the Marvel Netflix series and their connection with the other Marvel movies in the sense that the first season of Jessica Jones takes place in 2014 so that's two years after the events of the Avengers and that's before Avengers Age of Ultron so it seems like given how closely the Netflix shows seem to take place to each other that they all take place between um, the Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron if that's so, then obviously that's before the Sokovia Accords, so hence why that's not an issue. But that also means that these um, that these series take place a good, what, six years before Spider-Man even comes on the scene. And as we know from Captain America's Civil War, Peter Parker has only had his powers for about six months by that point. Um, and that takes place pretty much right before um, Spider-Man Homecoming. So... Uh, yeah, so by the time the, the Defenders are there doing their thing, this is what 2014, so we're looking at about six years before Spider-Man even gets his powers and before he comes onto the scene. So yeah, hence he wouldn't show up, hence the Sokovia Accords wouldn't have an effect. So I wonder if going forward, I, you know, I don't know if they're thinking about this and thinking about the chronology and all that stuff, but it does allow them some wiggle room in the sense that they don't have to worry so much about the continuity of other shows infringing on theirs because if their shows are taking place between pretty much um you know 2012 and let's say 2017 they have a five-year gap that they can just fill with stories you know fill with series and their series don't even have to you know necessarily take pl place a year apart from each other you know their seasons they could all take place within a few months so they have enough of a playground that they can play with and this also would explain why there hasn't been as much say shield involvement in these events because number one these guys are street level so they're dealing with a lot of petty crime i guess um and 
yeah, just the time frame of things. It, you know, not sure Captain America Civil War would have happened yet. Don't know. I mean, sorry, uh, Winter Soldier would have happened yet. So I don't know if S.H.I.E.L.D. has maybe fallen by this time. Maybe it has. And so maybe that's why they're not as involved because they're very covert and underground. So there's reasons, basically. And I'm cool with that. I'm happy with that even because it was bugging me for a while. But realizing that, it's kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, they can they can just have their playground and do what they want to do with it. But it would still be nice to hear and see a bit more connection between other aspects of the MCU. Because at the moment, the Netflix verse, as it were, is its own little island with only, you know, peripheral references, which kind of sucks. So, you know, that's that's kind of the thing that's making Marvel as amazing as it is, is the interconnectivity, is the universe and world building so to not take advantage of that just seems like a missed opportunity to me but otherwise um that was it that was all my thoughts on marvel's the defenders if you liked it if you enjoyed it if you have any thoughts or comments of it on it feel free to comment or call in and uh ask any questions you had but otherwise this is metamitha movies i'm stephen davis signing off for the day so have a good day